morning and welcome back to the Renaissance and Our Times podcast. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Richard. I will be your host today. And today we're going to talk about a really good documentary from BBC 2007. It's called Dangerous Knowledge and it's about the limitations of science and mathematics. So we're going to go through some of the documentary first and then the discoveries that were made uh, through four big mathematicians and then we're going to see how this ties into the left hemisphere and the, the framework of Ian McGilchrist and then we're going to look a little bit at these topics from the perspective of the Renaissance and, and um, Dante's Divine Comedy. So first of all the, the four main mathematicians were George Cantor, Ludwig Boltzmann, Kurt Gödel and Alan Turing. So it's a very broad brush, kind of big picture uh, documentary about what happens with the fields of science and mathematics towards the end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s, which in some sense fundamentally changes the idea that the foundations of science are fixed, firm and predictable to becoming uncertain with limitations and also in many areas more about probabilities than about certainty. So this whole certainty, uncertainty is uh, kind of the, in some ways the main angle into these, these thinkers and, and the topic of the documentary. It's just 80 minutes long, it's highly recommended. And we're going to put the link in the description. So uh, just a few words on these, these thinkers. George Cantor is, uh, like all of them, they end <laughs> their lives in a not so happy way. But George Cantor is um, working on infinity, but then he gradually goes uh, insane through this, this focus of trying to understand and, uh, and describe logically, mathematically, the ideas about infinity. And then this is in some ways also picked up by Kurt Gödel later, and then he is describing... He's showing through logic that logic has its limitations. There are paradoxes, there are inconsistencies that logic cannot uh, solve. For example, just a statement like this statement is false is in itself a kind of a forever loop because if it's false, it's true. And if it's true, it is false. So that's just one small example of that. And then Boltzmann is the one who shows uh, that the world of the atoms are more about probabilities than about predictability. So these things kind of shook this idea at the time that we had gotten in some ways a more firm grip and solid grip on reality and that we could understand it fully and we can, uh, you know, in some sense also control and manipulate it. So that's kind of the, the main shift and... To tie this into McGilchrist, which is kind of one of our main <laughs> main projects, uh, like lately and these months, is that it shows so clearly how the left hemisphere works and how there are limitations to the left hemisphere and what happens if you try to go beyond those limitations. So it's helpful to listen to the other episode, uh, Key Insights to the Brain Hemispheres, because then you get, a, you get the overall uh, view of how the two brains, in some ways, we have are different, of different natures, and how they work together and how they are different. But you could see through, especially Cantor and to some extent Gödel, like what happens 
if you only use your left hemisphere and that left hemisphere tries to expand itself to understand everything. It also shows how science and math to some extent only works as a firm and, and consistent foundation if it is limited, if you know its limitations. And this, so this reflects in both kind of back and forth the nature of the left hemisphere and the nature of science. So just one more thing about the left hemisphere. So it creates a model of the world and then it projects that model on everything. And it only sees its own model. It doesn't see reality, really. It's in some ways very like phenomenology as a field that you are concerned with representations in your brain instead of what it tries to represent. So it also then dismisses everything that's outside of its model, but it has inherent limitations. And the way the the brain is supposed to work biologically is that the right hemisphere is the overall one and then it incorporates the, the, the brilliant insights of the left hemisphere into a more unified and overall view and understanding of the world. And the, the right hemisphere is also constantly kind of taking in as a flow what it perceives. So you see when... Uh, it's... Uh, in some ways, it points to something very deep about also the whole uh, the whole era of the last 500 years with rationalism and scientism and this belief that these areas can explain everything. So a bit like after the Renaissance, when you cut out this idea that there are things beyond our limitations and our insights, then <laughs> it it's by some, almost like an irony, it tips into revealing its own limitations with pure rationality, pure logic, pure math, and it starts to crumble when you go to the edges and when you overreach. So it's very interesting to see this movement in history as both something that worked in the beginning very well, but then the old lessons, the ancient lessons of unbalanced thinking of removing sort of the, the idea of something transcendent, removing the metaphorical heaven as just something we, we still don't understand fully, then you get uh, an unstable foundation. So this was then proven kind of from within science, which makes it even more interesting. And um, maybe Boltzmann is also interesting in the sense that this becomes not only showing the the boundaries, but also showing that many elements of of kind of the, the foundation in itself is more about probabilities. So it goes into an idea that you can have, uh, or it sort of forces us to, to some extent, re rediscover an, an, a more established view of the world of how you think from the renaissance or from the ancient world that you need a balance and that's how you get the, the firm foundation is a, a, a mix of something that's very fixed certain predictable and some things that are mysterious or some things that are beyond our understanding and then immediately many people and this is the instinct of the left hemisphere is to reject that model because it wants total understanding and it wants total control and this is the risk and this is the part of the way the brain works that has to be managed. It has to be some way of, of 
having a relaxed relationship with this this idea that there are some things we know for certain and some things that we don't know. So just a couple of things from the documentary that was interesting in this sense is that George Cantor also loved music and he had when he was younger this idea that he wanted to do music but then he was called into math. So just as to, to suggest something about the psychology that is happening is that maybe he had a really great talent with his right hemisphere to, to to perceive and to have an intuitive understanding of the world, but then his left hemisphere took full, full control that decided that we will do the math and not the music, but he still constantly tried to go into the world of the right hemisphere, into this mysterious world that we can't grasp fully, but he did it then, he approached that world with the wrong part of his brain, and that over and over made him have nervous breakdowns and just gradually going more and more like into mental illness. So it just shows kind of mechanically how this didn't work with him. And there's also another kind of big picture with this documentary is that it's set so much in Vienna and the empire of like the Hungarian-Austrian empire which in itself was starting to crumble and, and fragment at the time. So there was a, there was a kind of a, a, a mood in, in these decades and a feeling that the whole empire was uh, crumbling and the culture was falling apart and there was confusion. And then in the middle of this, you get the, the new discoveries in what was supposed to be the firm foundation with science and math, and that starts to crumble as well. So you kind of amplified uh, a feeling of uncertainty at the time. But it then is very helpful and also kind of comforting to remember that this comes because it was a, an approach to reality that was too much left hemisphere oriented. So there are other ways to to relate to these kind of changes in a more balanced way. If you just have a, a more uh, sort of harmonious or a more uh, kind of making your left hemisphere uh, retreat a little bit from this instinct of full control. So uh, that's kind of the how the history and the science and some in some sense the philosophy are kind of coming together at, at this point. And then... For example, Boltzmann was heavily resisted and criticized during his whole life. As one person says in the documentary, if he had lived 20 years later, he would be would probably and lived in England and not in the, in uh, Austria, he would have been uh, probably like a huge hero of of science in his own time, but he was just a little bit too early and he was he was pointing to things that were too uncomfortable at the time. So that's all the, another kind of continuous lesson when it comes to, 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 to paradigms and how the established knowledge is, for, for good reasons, conserving itself because you, it would, you can't re-evaluate the whole big established foundation like <laughs> every week. So there's a, there's a slowness in it which creates resistance, but then over time it, that too will, will change. If the if the new things are growing and they have some 
solidity to them and they keep persisting, then that would eventually usually then be incorporated and, and, and change the foundation. But this happens only like not so often by nature. It takes time. So that's mostly what we would point to in the documentary. And then again, just to look at this from, from Ian McGilchrist, if you know McGilchrist and the hemispheres, it's easy to step back from so many topics and, and look at it and you detect how this tilt and the trap of tilting your brain happens over and over again. And also how it's self-reinforcing because once you start to tilt, you start using your left hemisphere more and more and then you will organize your world according to the preferences of the left hemisphere, which again will stimulate the left hemisphere. And you will also then create new relationships, your work, how you engage and what you pay attention to, and then what you feel like you have confirmed, or you will get confirmation of everywhere around you, just amplifies this, this imbalance. So that's the, the, the current brain science perspective on it. And if you try to look from 700 years ago, from from the, the early Renaissance and the, the framework in the Divine Comedy, which represents in some ways like the, the full medieval cosmology, then this is also understandable in the sense that they will say that science is a fantastic tool, but it's embedded in what they saw as like the theology, which is a little bit different than how people think of it today. But um, they will say that there's a balance between the heavens and the earth. And if you if you cut away the heavens then that is the path to pride, uh, hubris, to use the Greek mythology. There are countless warnings about this in the Greek mythology. You can think of this, uh, this overreach with, uh, with the myth about Phaethon, the little boy, the son of Apollo, who then gets one wish, and that wish is to ride the chariot of the sun across the sky. Apollo says you shouldn't do it. It's no one can control them but me. Not even Zeus is strong enough to, to control the four horses that are, are pulling the chariot. But the little boy Phaethon insists and he gets in the chariot and then the horses, as metaphors of, of forces of nature in this case, they go uh, completely wild and then the whole world burns down. So that is the one of the strongest stories about uh, arrogance, not accepting your limitations, your competence, overreaching, and then the, the disastrous consequences that could happen. So in some ways you can see it like the fate of someone like George Cantor could be seen in the light of a, of a myth of Phaethon, for example. So in some ways we could also say that thinking about this just... We can learn so much again from this framework that you have something that is beyond us, something mysterious, something transcendent. It doesn't have to be anything religious. It just has to be this uh, open-mindedness and a relaxed relationship to this way of looking at the world and not seeking full, like the full model, the full control, the full overview because lessons from history and suggestions from also recent history is that it will not happen and it will create more, so many problems. So that's the main takeaway also from, from viewing this documentary. But 
It also has to be acknowledged that in the process, when people go for the hubris, they also make discoveries that are useful in this process. But overall, it, it creates problems. So that's what we wanted to say about the, the documentary. And for some conclusions here at the end, in some ways, after watching it, you get a little bit back to square one when it comes to how to view the world, how to approach the world and thinking and philosophy. Uh, it's about balance and it's about what happens when you, or when the, also like the, the times get out of balance. It's also a self-warning for the left hemisphere. So this is one of the big questions. How do you counter if things are left hemisphere tilted? Do you counter with the right hemisphere or do you make the left hemisphere acknowledge its own limitations? And there's a, it's tempting to think that in some ways the left hemisphere has to have some examples aware in, in itself of its own uh, faults and of its own limitations. So and the next point, uh, humility, like some openness to something like the heavens is also helpful to keep in mind uh, it's helpful to read Dante. There's also no need to despair from from this that there are that the math can't explain everything. It can explain an enormous amount of things, and it's this probably eternal thing that there will always be things beyond us. Even if you think ten thousand or five hundred thousand years into the future, or ten million years. There will still be what we know or the version of us <laughs> 10 million years from now and the things beyond what is known. And then a final point, which might be a little bit uh, hard to, to accept in the beginning, but if you want certainty, this is an old thought as well. If, if you want to be, to be comfortable, stable with a model of the world, it seemed to have to incorporate an idea of the beyond or of the heavens. When you have that, then you get a stable model that gives you also peace of mind and peace of heart. So that's uh, something that you could read in so many of the Renaissance and ancient world stories and writings. Okay, so we're going to stop this one here. We plan to talk five minutes and now we're 18 minutes in. But it's such a massive topic that is presented in this really beautiful and wonderful uh, documentary. So with that, hope this was some interesting food for thought and uh, some inspiration, some kind of can spur some some readings or or new new reflections. And with that, hope you're still having a great day and see you again in another episode. <laughs>